Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, we believe this is the final tennis tournament that Serena Williams will ever play, but it certainly isn't the final day that she will ever play as a singles professional because she's still going. She is extraordinary for the second night, for the second incredible night of the US Open, this time against the second seed, Annette Conservate. Serena Williams has found a way to win. And... It is mind-boggling. She's turning 41 next month. She has really struggled. But Catherine, as we sit in your lobby, <laughs> trying to make sense of it all, what on earth? What on earth is happening out here at the moment at the US Open? Something pretty special, I think. Yeah, I'm really trying to um, temper the part of me that the part of my brain that is getting awfully carried away with fairy tale scenarios let it get carried let away. let it get carried away shall i disclose what i said on a group chat earlier what, what on are you today? thinking is a possibility suddenly well, at various different points in today i have uh, allowed myself to imagine both Serena Williams and Andy Murray lifting US Open trophies On this fortnight. On successive days. On successive days. The Sarandi... I've given it a name. <laughs> <laughs> the Sarandi Slam. Okay. Uh, we'll be covering Andy Murray in the second half of the show. Uh, and actually, we recorded that a little bit earlier on, knowing that Serena would be the, the headline story. Actually... Spoiler alert, Matt goes bigger on Andy Murray than I do. (laughs) And I've imagined the Sarandi slam. He took us by surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like you're going pretty big on Serena, Matt. You were in the stadium. What was it like? Like nothing I've ever experienced before. I say that, it was a bit like Monday night. (laughs) (laughs) 48 hours ago. But I thought I I wasn't... But but it was a different energy. I wasn't inside. I thought it felt really quite different to Monday. There was a different energy. Monday was a celebration. It was everyone just wanting to see Serena for possibly one last time. This match at various stages changed a bit. You know, it felt like maybe this was Serena's Andre Agassi, Marcus Bagdatis match at one point. You know, a, a really great performance against a really strong opponent. But I do remember the Agassi Bagdatis match. That's one of my first US Open memories. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone was thinking Andre Agassi is going to go on and win the title well, after no. beating Marcus and Bagdatis. I, and look, I think apart that, I mean, look, Serena Williams is greater than even Andre Agassi was. But plus. He had just played five sets against Baghdad, and he could barely walk. To read his book, you know, he he, he said uh, once he was lying down in that locker room, yeah, he could barely get back up, and uh, and Baghdad just came in, and I they looked at each other and said, "Oh my word!" <laughs> Whereas by the end, I mean, I was certainly thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is on!" You know, shit is getting real. Serena Williams is playing good enough tennis. If she plays like she does tonight, for five more matches, she could win the US Open. I, I really do mm. think that is a fair thing to say. She was so good tonight. And I, I felt like she was good against Kovinic. But my comparison point then was her matches against Emirata Khanu and Belinda Bencic. And it was like a transformation. My comparison point here is more like this was the sort of tennis Serena was playing... 2018, 2019, 
you know, where she reached major finals. It, I, I genuinely believe it was that good, and maybe even better in terms of early on in the tournament, her finding a level. Her, her movement at times was just breathtaking, and her serve was in vintage Serena serve mode, and all of it combined to beat the world number two, who I thought played a pretty good match. I really did think Contevet played well. Cincinnati was was two weeks ago. I know. It, it's reminded me a little bit of when Victoria Azarenka lost to Venus Williams in Lexington yeah. two years ago and looked awful. You know, I remember having a discussion on Prime Video about how thoroughly underpowered she looked against Venus Williams that day. How I think we had a debate about how the game had moved on, how her performance and her game at that stage was evidence of that style of play being a bit out of date. And then two weeks later, she was winning... (laughs) No, two weeks after that, she was winning Cincinnati. And then she was was reaching the US Open final. I mean, that story was great at the time. Obviously, it pales in comparison to this story and the potential that this story could become. But in terms of a turnaround, (laughs) it's the only thing I can think of to, to compare it to, really, in such a short space of time. It's... It, I, I thought the, the force of will of Serena Williams might get her somewhere mm. this tournament. I hadn't even contemplated that the tennis might be anything like we saw tonight. Yeah, the movement is what strikes me above all else. Because I think it, her power off the ground and her serve are like a boxer's punch. They're the last thing to go. You don't lose that. But getting to the ball is mm. another matter. And to repeatedly get to the ball against a really fit mover, somebody who's in the prime of her career in a, in a net conservative and who was hitting the ball very, very hard and with authority herself. I think where we might be getting carried away is that can she back this up two days' time and then two days' time and play doubles? It's a lot. You know, we're t- taking these performances in isolation. They're exciting. But... You know, who knows how her body will cope, really, at the age that she is, as she's trying to move her way through a Grand Slam, having not done it for a heck of a long time. Yeah, I mean, you're right, it is a lot, and there is still a very long way to go. I just, you know, Aya Tomjanovic is, is her next opponent. Good luck. Like, honestly, mm. if it's like that again... She's having a good year. She, she is having a good year, but... I just think it's such a hard environment to go into that's, as an opponent. That's a massive factor. I, I felt, by the end, I felt sorry for Annette Contevay because I just don't know how well, you're I supposed to handle it. Well, I felt sorry for it at the start because they once again did the thing of introducing Annette Contevay onto court and then running the VT, the, the Serena Williams VT. It's clear that this is what the, the pattern they've created for her matches. And I love the VT. It's great. I, I, you know, I I think the USTA generally have played a blinder with with the pitch of the of the Serena farewell and celebrations. But why does the opponent and I'm deliberately not saying her name there to emphasise the fact that they are treated just as an opponent, an actor in a Serena play? Um, why do they have to be on court? while that waiting alone while that VT runs and then Serena be announced yeah, I think the way to do it is to play it and then introduce the two players absolutely you play know. it introduce Serena first she comes out and then Annette Contivate comes out it's almost like part of the let's see how much we can stack the odds in Serena's mm. favour here look I mean when Pete I was telling Matt on the way here when Pete Sampras won this title in 2002 he played every single match in the night session Everyone. Oh, Serena will as well. She will yeah, play but, that slot. But at, but at the weekend, there will be, there may be pressure from TV to play the biggest matches in the afternoon because that's traditionally what they've done here. I can't remember how they got around that in 2002 because CBS would have wanted Sampras, I would have thought, unless they had Agassi. There's um, also a national holiday on Monday, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, but they it's tend to not think of the night session over that middle three days as the prime time it's the it's the, the weekdays that, that it is that so uh, i'm not sure exactly how they'll how they'll see that but there's no question the tournament will be trying its best to give her every chance i understand that 
I mean, that, that, that happens for Andy Murray at Wimbledon. It happens all over the world for the, for the home player and for the biggest Preparing star. a wicket, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, not everybody might like that, but I, it's, just, it's just the way it is. And, and I don't have too many problems with that. But I do feel that the crowd, the environment, is a factor. I, it, oh, it's a huge factor. Yeah, so, it, somebody may be able to stare it down, mm. a certain type of character. But Roberta I looked at Vinci's preparing to come out of retirement. <laughs> She's got her finger to her ear in front of the telly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but well, exactly, and a good comparison, really. Was, it, 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 uh, they're in opposite sides of the draw, aren't they? But Elise Cornet. Yes. You know, it's, oh, she it needs it. to be somebody like that that will just absolutely relish, will bathe in being a party pooper. Mm. But there aren't too many of those out there. I would be a bit worried about someone like Sam Sonova, who is just in brilliant form. Matt is very big on Sam yeah, Sonova well, at she, the she, I mean, she quietly beat last year's finalist tonight. You know, she beat Leila Fernandez. She's on an incredible streak. Look, we've never seen anyone in this environment, really, other than Kovanich and Contevay. I just think she might be able to, as you said, just sort of block it out and just hit, hit her way through. But Gosh, it is, it's fascinating. I don't, I don't expect Tomljanovic to shrivel in, in the environment. I think she may well get outplayed. Um, but I think she, she quite likes an environment. Um, but, and she's been playing well, like I say. I just don't think she'll be able to absorb what Serena's throwing down there if Serena carries on playing like this. Can we talk about the post-match interview? Yeah, sure. What happened to that? <laughs> because... One of my, I think one of my favourite Serena moments of all time. Uh, she was asked by Mary Jo Fernandez whether her level is is surprising her, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> her face just—I mean, she just laughed. She just smiled and asked her to repeat the question. I think not because she hadn't heard it, because she was like, "Are you are you asking me this?" And <laughs> so Mary Jo Fernandez did repeat the question, and um, Serena just said, "I'm just Serena." You know, she's surprised when she's not playing well. You know, mm. I think her performances in Cincinnati and Toronto, those were the surprises to her. And Imagine gosh, if you had that she, there Imagine. There was Imagine. another line earlier on, wasn't there, where she said, well, I am quite good. I am a pretty good player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you had that level and, of self-confidence. And then there was this incredibly, I mean, not that that isn't insightful, but this incredibly insightful line about that she said she's playing with nothing to prove nothing to lose she can just enjoy it and she hasn't felt like that for a while and that that took me back to her lines in her Vogue essay where she admitted that the pressure of the Grand Slam finals she's played Mm. since coming back from giving birth to Olympia had got to her and I suppose that could be an element later in the tournament you know I think for now it's still this incredible ride I think Yes, everyone is thinking about the fairy tale, but it's also just a match in isolation at the moment. As it as it gets closer, many people are really. I think there's still a wave of euphoria. Watch some ESPN coverage. That's what I've been doing (laughs) tonight. Serena is though. I don't think she's getting away. I think you're wrong there. I think she's playing it seriously one match at a time. I think she's compartmentalising very nicely. Whereas in 2015. It was very clear what was on her mind. Yeah, it's different to 2015, but I definitely think she's thinking, I can win this. I think, I think she always she, thinks she can win anything, but I just don't think that it is creating pressure for her the way it yes, has in previous Grand Slam She's got a different attitude. She, she looks less stressed, for sure. It, it's manifesting in a different way. Um, but she's... She's good in her mind that she can win it, mm, for I, sure. I, I, don't, didn't, I, I, I definitely think that's true. But, and I think actually the interesting thing that, um, about her is her knowledge that she's playing good enough tennis to not quit. You know, she could carry on playing the sport. I think she's realising, and I think that's, that's really exciting to her, that her level is suddenly kind of... I, do think, I think she probably is a bit surprised at how well she's playing this quickly out of the blue given how badly she played a few weeks back six matches all season and she's playing like that I mean at 40 years old it's absolutely staggering and and also today she also had an ability to go through the gears 
you know when she when she needed to turn it on she did you know there were there were some tight moments you know that that first set tie break she turned it on that moment where Contevate was threatening well she did get the break back in the third and then Serena just broke again you know it's just that ability is is special I just you know that's the sort of thing that you think comes with matches but she's she's kind of there already it's blowing my mind yeah it's I'm surprised I'm surprised that she's playing this level Um, and looking this fit and sort of fresh really at the moment Um, and it will carry on tomorrow in the doubles because she'll be alongside Venus which um, which is interesting isn't it and I, I think I think she'll just probably have a blast she'll just have a great time out there but I wonder whether that you know I mean that's it's not going to be physically nothing, that is it? They're going to be they're going to be flying all over the court. It's another match in. in she, she said to Mary Jo Fernandez, "I need matches." <laughs> <laughs> the final, I think it was the final question she asked her was about the doubles with uh, with Venus, and she said, "You know, we're going to have fun and everything, but I, I need matches." I think, you know, it, this is Venus is her enjeuer for the week. It's very exciting that. The where it has been scheduled as first night match on Arthrash. I mean, she is owning this tournament. Nobody else, nobody else exists, really, do they? And, uh, and uh, look, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's the right thing to do. But I think it's, I don't think that's ever happened before that I can remember at the US Open that a doubles match has opened the night session like this. Incredible, really. So, um, we'll see where she goes next. Hi, Tom Janovic. On, uh, when is it? Friday? Friday night. I'm going to pick her to win it now. You're going to pick her to win that mm. tournament? The whole tournament? No, Tom Janovic. Tom Janovic. Okay. I think it's possible. I do. Is she in the mix? Yeah. She's in my mix. Yep. Yeah. I would agree Mine with that. Mine too. Gosh. Um, what a time to be alive. What, what would, what, what's her draw like? Who else is out there in round four and beyond? <clears throat> well, I know who's in this half, because it's the people that played today. <laughs> Coco Goff and Madison Keys and Ludmilla Samsonova. Yeah, so it's Tomjanovic in round three. Then she would face the winner of Samsonova Krunic. Uh, then it would be either Jabur, Rogers, Kudamatova or Galfi in the quarters. And then a potential semi-final uh, is... Uh, Madison Keys, Coco Goff, Caroline Garcia, uh, Andrescu had Admire still to play as we're recording at half past 11. So there's lots of good players. Yeah, there's, I, I think your point about Sam Sonova is a very interesting one. I, I think she does feel dangerous to, to anybody in the draw at mm. the moment. So we shall see. We shall see one match at a time. That's what they always say, isn't it? So the next one's on Friday. But uh, I mean, th- th- honestly, this is really making me think of Jimmy Connors 1991 I mean I was listening to the world feed coverage and Mary was saying if Serena puts a run together here this place meaning you know Flashy Meadows will make a noise that hasn't been made since 1991 and Chanda Rubin came off the back saying I think it'll be bigger and you know as as someone who missed Jimmy Connors in 1991 we obviously relived it but it's it's getting me in the feels the fact mm. that you know we we might be living in a sort of thing that is just as special over the next. It, week d- it or does so. sound a bit like the Agassi run, um, but I think it, like you say, has the potential to be a a title winning run. It does have that potential. She's she's good enough. We know that if she's fit enough, no reason why she can't. So we shall see. It's brilliant, and and actually, I think that that is as loud as I've ever heard in that stadium today at times the noise was extraordinary it just it just goes through you <laughs> i mean it's no it's no surprise it's the biggest tennis stadium in the world and it's serena williams playing it it should be noisy but all i want of, it to be noisy all 23000 are invested aren't they oh. and so often that's not the case even if it's for yes absolutely and invested very often in the middle of the point <laughs> <laughs> yes the gasps oh dear Anyway, I hope uh, Annette Contevate isn't too traumatised by the experience. And I, I, I think she'll probably end up thinking back and realising she was part of something incredibly special. And she played 
played pretty well, but she was beaten by the great Serena Williams. So, what else has happened tonight? A pretty massive result for a British tennis player, and that's Jack Draper. 6-4, 6-4, 6-4 to knock out the sixth seed Felix Auger-Aliassime. And honestly, if you arrived on that court not knowing which player was which, from point one to the end, you would have thought it was Draper who was the seeded player of the two. And that's both to compliment him because he is coming on quickly and also, I'm afraid, to highlight the deficiencies of Felix Auger-Aliassime because they were there for all to see tonight. He, he looked tense and stressed from ball one pretty much. There was a pattern of play for Draper. He's a left-hander. He hits a big ball, but it's, it's under his control. He hits a lot of spin. The ball was bouncing up at the backhand repeatedly of, of Auger-Aliassime with the sliding serve and also the whipped forehand. And it just felt like a pattern. Any time he needed a point to just get himself ahead in a game, he had that that routine to go through. I mean, extraordinary win for him. He can be a stressful watch, Felix Auger-Aliassime, seen when it's not working um, because he can't adjust and champions adjust. Mm. I'm not saying he can't adjust to become someone that adjusts. <laughs> Um, he's he's extremely smart by all accounts, isn't he? And he certainly comes across that way in press. But maybe that's hamstringing him. I don't know. Maybe he's overthinking. Maybe his mind is racing. Maybe he's not able to be present in that way that great athletes somehow are able to do, even though I don't quite know what that means because I'm not sure I've ever experienced it. Um but yeah, he looks like he can, he can obviously look utterly brilliant when it's on. You know, he really can look fearsome, but he can look like a malfunctioning robot when it's not working. Mm. And I know that some people might think, oh, that sounds harsh, but that is what it looks like. He, he doesn't look as though he has any answers when it's not mm. going right. Yeah, I compared him to or the experience of watching him a bit to the experience of, of watching Joe Conta earlier in this mm. year and I, I always felt that way about her as well well like, that's, some, that's fair I think that's very good like, like sometimes it was incredible you know when she reached the semis at slams and won Miami you know it was really good efficient tennis and but sometimes you would just think, what is going on here? And why aren't you adapting? And actually, I think Conta maybe is an example of someone who did improve that a little bit. Well, it's interesting. A, that's a fun, fantastic comparison. But I vividly remember a really defining moment and insight into Joe Conta. She'd lost to Yulia Putin saver at the French Open on the old bullring court. Uh, that already makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> on her behalf. I can just imagine what I she went through. I think it must have been 2017, possibly 2018. Anyway, certainly not 2019, because, of course, that was when she reached the semi-finals. But anyway, one of those years. And it was a match just like that, just like Felix Auger-Elia seems tonight. What she was doing was just not working, and she kept doing it. You know, this, what's the first sign of madness um, and that's what it looked like it looked like madness like it's not you just keep doing the same thing what are you doing and she was that pretty much was put to her quite starkly in the press conference afterwards and she said that that would almost be a lack of belief in my game she said I have to believe in my game and if I do that if I perform that mental shift that's admitting that my game isn't good enough mm. and that's no good I can't sort of I can't allow my mind so to go there is this personality types to some degree possibly maybe I mean that, possibly and this is, it's easy to overlook isn't it that, that everybody on that circuit is not only a different tennis player in terms of strokes but a different brain a different set of emotions and feelings and everything else that goes into a human being and uh, yeah I'm afraid Auger-Aliassime does look deficient in some respects and I'm not sure really yet whether he's going to be able to overcome it um, but it's another milestone ticked off for Jack Draper though isn't it I know he big. wasn't he wasn't 
taken beyond three sets today. But think about that Dominor match at Wimbledon, mm. which felt like an opportunity. He was on, he was on top in that first set, and he must have been having thoughts about that yeah, yeah. today. You know, he had a big opportunity to beat a a, a top ranked player there, and 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 let it slip. Um, and he just didn't blink today. Mm. I don't think he had his serve broken. Barely faced any break points you know you're waiting for the wobble to come and it doesn't no. just professional and efficient who, who, who's he got next jack draper karen hakshinov oh who, right who i noticed for the first time today <laughs> that could, i mean that could be a really physical match yes. you know <clears throat> and, and i think that's another one where draper probably needs to win inside the distance i would have thought um, and you're going to just have two hammers <laughs> coming at each other. That's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, so um, we're now left with just a couple of matches on the court, 20 to midnight. Uh, Daniel Medvedev is a setup against uh, Arta Rindiknek, uh, but it's 5 all now. Oh, is it Kanesh? Kanesh. Oh, well done. I know, you feel like it should be Kanesh. I didn't know that. That's good. Because... Um, it's it's very un-French sounding, but okay. there we go. Five all in the second set, and actually um, Rindiknesh has uh, has fought back in this set. He's a break point down at the moment, and finally Bianca Andreescu and Beatrice Hadadmire have got onto the court there in the first game there. At 11.41pm, it's not okay. And that's with a straight sets match Yeah, they, they got lucky there. Yes. They got lucky. They, they did get lucky. So, anything else that uh, that we have had tonight of note, Matt? We had a five-set win for Tommy Paul over fellow American Sebastian Corder, mm. which I think's a big deal. I mean, firstly, it was just cool to see them playing each other, you know, yeah. because we've had a lot of significant matches between two American women over the last few years, but significant matches between American men have been slightly less common. Obviously, this was only the second round, but... With the draw being as open as it is, it felt pretty big to me, and Paul got it done. And um, really like his game, uh, and he won the first set six love. Called a bounce back, and actually took a two sets to one lead. So that was impressive. And then Paul impressive to recover from that and win it in five. So really good atmosphere for that one out on the grandstand. And Paul now plays Rude, which I just feel like is a match that Hannah on Twitter is going to have fun with because it's a little bit like Paul Rudd and it's a little bit like RuPaul I was going to say RuPaul I hadn't thought of Paul Rudd it's all great what a rich theme that's very good you've given her ideas right away she's definitely already had those ideas she's already had those ideas (laughs) can I finish the nighttime section of this podcast by just saying I've, I've got three out of three in the predictions I can't believe it I don't think I've ever had that before you have. That went down I mean, like I've also balloon, got three out of three, but you have, have you? got more points than me. Oh, so. good. All right. Well, You've been you, bolder. You, you always get three out of three. Anyway, uh, sign up to our newsletter if you want to find out who we've picked for tomorrow. Uh, the link is in your show notes. Right. Do you want to hear about what went on in the day session? Here you go. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So day session, it always feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it, when the day session started. And for me, it started with Andy Murray uh, yet again, second match in a row at 11 o'clock. And he was up against Catherine, a player, honestly, I didn't know too much about when we started. In fact, you were filling me in on stuff to do with, uh, uh, what's his name again? Emilio Nava. That's the one. And actually, I loved watching him play. I mean, he was a dynamic player. It was an hour and 24 minute first set. He hit shots that had me gasping because I just didn't see him making them, including the set point when Murray played a pitch perfect point of four shot combination and still Nava past him but it's still a good win isn't it from Murray yeah I was uh, distributing the fake news that Emilio Nava was quote a bit of a grinder ahead of that match because I'd heard that somewhere and it well I thought I heard that somewhere anyway it turned out to be wildly inaccurate because actually it seems he's a flashy shot maker <laughs> uh, and he showed us that throughout the hour and 31 minute first set an hour and 31 minutes I'll say that again it didn't even go to a tie break Um, it was gruelling I mean it was very Andy Murray-esque I mean that's what we've come to expect from him in the early rounds of Grand Slams recently we talked two days ago about how the victory over Sarindola in round one was his first in straight sets at a slam for five years well this is his first time into round three of the US Open for six years is it? goodness yeah six years and I thought he was really good today really really good and I was I was talking with uh, Daniela Hantikova after the match and um, you know she was saying there aren't there aren't many positives about aging particularly as an athlete but experience is one of them and he just turned that into a superpower today just completely brushed off losing the opening set you know, you've worked for an hour and 31 minutes and you get nothing for it. How do they it, do it, that? It, it counts for the same as if you'd expended 20 minutes of energy on it. And he reset, which I know is such a sort of boring tennis player cliche, but he, he really did. He reset, changed his tactics. Upped, it looked to me like he upped his pace on the shots I was watching from the, the media seats um, and just bounced back incredibly, which is what he would have done back in the old days I'm not saying he's now going to win the US Open but 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 it was like an old days type of match wasn't it, take the best your opponent's got, say come on hit me to the body I'm just going to take it and then I'm going to take over the the rhythms of it felt more like Andy Murray matches of old when he had two human hips yes (laughs) <laughs> I do agree with that. I, I thought the same throughout the match. And, and, and I mean, look, if any further was going to be a test 
of the cramp issues it was going to be after an hour and a half first set when you're playing against a 20 year old who by the way his dad is a 100 meter sprinter who performed in the Seoul Olympics in 1988 which explains why how this guy was so fast surely he's one of the fastest players across the court I think I've ever seen and his cousin is Ernesto Escobedo which is one of the nuggets of information I drip fed to you ahead of the match which you completely ignored I agree I used it's it it's not did you oh yes it was greeted with absolute <laughs> silence on the WhatsApp group as it was also I th- on the I radio I thought that was blockbuster <laughs> Tough ground. Yeah, I appreciated it anyway. Uh, look, I, I enjoyed watching him play. I enjoyed watching Andy Murray play. Did, I didn't. I haven't heard Andy Murray's press conference or anything that he said afterwards, Matt. What 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 was the gist of the the feel of the the aftermath? I feel like there's been quite a development just in the last few days with Andy Murray. In that you know we we're all really worried about the cramping issue pre-tournament, Murray included. You know he's been trying everything to get to the bottom of it and then the line he gave after the match today was that this is the best his body has felt in years you know he's he he said that he recovered really well from the first round um and that he felt like he got stronger as the match went on today so these are really really good signs for Andy Murray and yeah I agree I I thought he played really well today and just because he lost the set doesn't mean that he wasn't playing well Nava was unbelievable in that first set really cracking the ball and I think Catherine maybe the reason you uh, thought he was a bit of a grinder was another was another fact that came up in that deep dive was that his idol is David Ferrer and I just quite like the idea that David Ferrer is someone's idol I feel like he deserves that from his and by the way from the top of the stadium where we commentate okay he's got dark hair um Nava compared to the blonde hair of David Ferrer but he's got David Ferrer's headband with the sort of ribbon that goes down the back of the the, the neck and I thought that, that that's reminiscent that reminds me of him um, one of the things I liked watching him was he was applauding Andy Murray uproariously throughout the match every time he hit a good shot and it was so from the heart I got the sense that this guy has got posters of Andy Murray on his wall you know he was so proud to be on the court with him it's his second ever tour level match at all I think we're going to maybe see more of him in the future I'm going to ask you both two questions you can give me quick answers if you like are we looking at a 1991 Connors run from Andy Murray and is he going to beat Matteo Berrettini in the next round? Well, pre-tournaments I had Matteo Berrettini, I think in my semi-finals at the very least in my quarter-finals. Um, he's dropped sets in both of his opening round matches, needed four sets, uh, many of them very tight, to beat uh, Hugo Grenier, who in all honesty I hadn't heard of today 7-6, 7-6 in the third and fourth um, I have, quite honestly I haven't seen either of those matches, I've just seen the score lines which shows some rust I think for Matteo Berrettini um, having said that I think Andy Murray has a real chance and then if he gets through that we're on I think that's vague enough, isn't it? I was going to say, I feel like if this had been the other way around and you were asking the question and David had given that answer, you would have, oh, yeah, you would have ripped him for I know. Yeah, but I'm right on board with it because that's my kind of answer. Mm. I love it, Catherine. I think, I think if he gets through that, fair. we think, are on. We are on for generally Connors 1991. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying on to win it necessarily. Semifinals. Semifinals. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Deep we're on, into we're round on week for two. We'll see. Yeah. I like it. We're on for a hype train. Put yeah, it that way. hype train. My Please kind of make thing. Matt answer the question. Okay, what do you think, Matt? I think Mary's going to beat Berrettini. Oh, that was emphatic. Mm. I think he can make Berrettini uncomfortable. You know, in, I think he can find the backhand um, in a way that maybe he wasn't able to on the grass when they played in Stuttgart. And I just think Mary will be able to manipulate rallies and. Make, just make life uncomfortable for Berrettini I, I did watch a bit of Berrettini today out on the grandstand really good atmosphere and he is very good in big moments in slams Berrettini he, he doesn't lose matches that he shouldn't uh, and he really stepped it up in that fourth set tie break to stop it going to a fifth came up with some brilliant shots just just liking what I'm seeing from Andy Murray so I'm, I'm, I'm going to back Murray who was 
not in my thoughts in this tournament whatsoever, really. I thought Mario would, might go out second or third round. I just didn't think he, he had the form coming in. But as I said, something's changed. And the way Mario's carrying himself, the way he's talking, I think, I think this is the one. I felt like Wimbledon was going to be the one for Mario to have a run. And then he got injured and then he lost to Isner. And I, was, I thought, oh, that is such a blow. Now it just, to me, feels like this is the one. He looks in form is the bottom line, isn't it, really? Um, we've got a third round between Madison Keys and Coco Goff to look forward to. That is a tantalising prospect and one that really didn't look likely at one stage in that Madison Keys match. She was playing Camilla Georgie. They were just knocking lumps out of each other in terms of how they were hitting the ball. Um, and... I thought Georgie was on to win that. I think she was a break-up in that third set. She turned it around. But Keys, fair play, Catherine, forced it into a 10-point tie-break and took over. Yeah, I quite literally only saw fragments of that match because while I was up in the Louis Armstrong Stadium um, in a sort of presentation position that we have there, um, I was prevented from actually getting to the point where I could see into the Louis Armstrong Stadium by a very overzealous security guard security guards here are either it's very much two ends of the spectrum they're either I'm going to arrest you if you look at me uh, the wrong way or sure ma'am do whatever you like Um, and when you're going in to pet a police dog it's a real lottery as to what what kind of what kind of approach you're going to get anyway no um, no machine gun stops Catherine from petting the dog so I was sort of having to stand if few feet back from the vantage point so I could quite literally only see about a six foot wide section of the court but from that bit yeah but crucially David I know this is not an answer to the question that you asked but crucially that six foot section of the court included where the handshake took place oh yeah How was and that? it was brusque <laughs> and no look it was so great yeah Georgie was not Georgie was sort of looking at a 45 degree angle the other way it was extraordinary um, so, what, what do we think? I mean, I, I commentated on Coco Goff's win. It was over Elena Gabriella Russa, who I've been informed is, is known as Gabby, which makes life a bit easier. But she clocks the ball. And, I mean, I think the, the thing is, Goff has a bit of a weakness on that forehand when you hit hard into it, which is kind of a nightmare against Madison Keys, who won their one previous meeting back at the start of the year in Australia, 7-5 in the third cracking match, but this was a good rehearsal for it, because Rusa gives the ball a right old tonk um, and Goff got the job done, but the, the, I don't know who the crowd's going to be supporting in this match what are they going to do? They're going to have two Americans toe-to-toe and two very popular Americans yeah, well, I was really struck by the reception Goff got on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. I went out to watch some of that, and they loved her, which, you know, is obviously no surprise. And I think it's very fitting, really, that Madison Keys versus Coco Goff is happening at this tournament, you know, when, when we're all quite rightly celebrating Venus Williams and Serena Williams and the path that they have opened up and... I think Keyes and Goff both cite the Williams sisters as big reasons why they're tennis players. So, firstly, I think that's just cool. Um, I mean, I've, I've backed Goff to do enormous things at this tournament, so I really need her to be beating Madison Keyes in the third mm. round. And if Goff loses, I'm in... I, I'm just bowing out of prediction. I'm doing a Charlie <laughs> Eccleshare and bowing out of predictions forever because luckily I wasn't on yesterday's pod, but... I went awfully big on Amanda Anisimova without doing any research into the exact state of her ankle uh, pre-tournament. So, See, I feel like I've gone really big on Coca Golf without really thinking about the matchup with Madison Keys because I think it's problematic. I do think... I, I think Keys might even be the favourite in that match, just thinking about the matchup. It, the, the sheer fangs of Goff and the... The belief, the self-belief and the, the, the love of the competition, the love of the moment makes me think that maybe that will be enough. Um, and actually, I'm going to go with that. In the end, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I feel like there are certain sort of pillars of the sport that you sort of just have to see and Serena's serve and obviously Amanda Nisimova's backhand. I feel like... Not Co- seeing that again this fortnight, <laughs> Matt. Coco Goff competing is, is becoming one of them and... It was, it was difficult in that second set today, and, and, and she did fight through it. Interesting, we had a, we had a uh, line from Mary Carrillo that 
Goff went straight back out to the practice court after after the match today, and apparently that's something that she's been doing a lot lately. Uh, the thoughts are that they want to make it more about the process rather than the sort of results. That's that's certainly what Reem Abelil has heard from the uh, Goff camp. But that is quite interesting, isn't it? When you watch Goff on on the court, and it feels like everything's about the result because she's so determined to win and she's such a great competitor but you know it's it's clearly working whatever it is she's doing and I I think she's a better player than she was at the start of the season and I agree that you know the the keys power into the Goff forehand we're going to have to watch out for that that could be an issue but I don't know Goff just gives me belief that that um, process fits with what we heard from her at the French Open, where she's done a, a job on herself, hasn't she, in order to to handle this situation, to handle how much she wants it, because wanting it can be derailing in itself. And she's she's figured that out, I think. Uh, maybe the surface and the conditions here aren't as ideal as they were at the French Open, because it is quick. But still. Um, Oh, I love watching her play, and, and actually, Matt, I don't know whether you saw the one backhand she hit late on in the match when she was getting pinned Matt's back. Matt's done a face there. And, and she went from def- defence into attack with that backhand, point-finishing attack in one blow. She, it was like she just had enough of the rally. Wasn't that when Rusa was serving for the second set, I think? It was, it was a crucial moment, and yes, of course I saw it. It was a backhand. <laughs> Can we have a moment for David saying defence? Yeah, well, I've been in America six days. <laughs> Do you know, I nearly said offense instead of attack as well. I very nearly did. And then I thought, I think if I, if I don't, I might get away with it. But clearly I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, talking of uh, Americans, uh, we, uh, we watched Brandon Holtz um, lose today. He was two sets to love up. That's the son of Tracy Austin. He won the first two sets 6-1-6-2. And I genuinely messaged you believing that Aradikanu is on the cards here. Uh, mm. And that he might go and win the whole thing. Speaking of Aradikanu being on the cards, in our, in our uh, Prime Video running order today, I noticed um, an item that ended up being dropped, unfortunately, due to, due to events taking over. But there was going to be some discussion of Victoria Kuzmova being this year's Emma Aradikanu. Oh, well. I, I genuinely inquired as to whether there'd been a typo. Or it was a joke. <laughs> um, well, she came through qualifying without dropping a set. She beat Sara Saribes Tormo in round one, who I think was the player that Emma Adekani beat in round two. Uh, and then she played Shelby Rogers today. I mean, P.S. She lost. Did she? She did. Oh. But so, there so was a moment this morning, Matt, where Victoria Kuzmova was going to be talked about on Prime Video in the UK as a potential US Open champion having come through qualifying Emma Adekani style. And that would actually be more outrageous than any predictions I've made about Victoria Kuzmova in the past. Uh, there was also a moment when she was 4-1 up on Shelby Rogers today. That moment was when I was on the subway in. I arrived and she only won two more games. I'm beginning to think I might, I might have genuinely cursed Victoria Kuzmova. He sounds like a manager who's talking about how the goal came against the run of play. <laughs> and he, he, you know, his team hit the post, <laughs> but they didn't quite get the win. And by the way, on Brandon Holt, having... Having said that we maybe gave him a bit of a podcast bump, I, I, I do think your message in the WhatsApp group was timed perfectly with him then losing three straight sets in a row and, and going out of the tournament. So maybe we, maybe we ended up jinxing him as well. That was quite a cool scene on, on Court 12 because he was playing Pedro Cachin, who I had only ever seen once before in my life because he was the player that... Dominic Team played when he was started making his comeback this year and I, I remember watching that match on a ATP Challenger Tour stream but I was thinking you know there was it was 10 rows deep probably on court 12 watching that as it headed to a fifth set and I I bet that at least 90% of people in the crowd had, had never heard of either player probably prior to this week when you know Brandon Holt has obviously gained a bit of attention but that's just just a sort of cool thing that you get at a Grand Slam and it's it's something that you know I think we we should never really take for granted it's it's the special scenes in the opening few days of a slam and Pedro Cachin won it 10-6 in a deciding set tie break three hours 44 minutes and he he fell to his knees immediately weeping on the court it was very moving and and I I had to to look up and make sure I'm not reading his ranking 
incorrectly because he's 66 in the world and he's done that quietly because I didn't know too much about him so I went and had a look at his results and then you realise just how he's built that ranking because he has gone into the challenger circuit which is a tough place to win a lot of matches if you're going to win points and get up the rankings you've got to win so many matches but he was in six seven eight nine finals this year um, on clay and he won several of them He's, he's just match tight as you could possibly be, and here he is now into the third round of the US Open. So congratulations to Pedro Cachin of Argentina. Great, great story for him. Matteo Berrettini was just looming in the background there. I wonder if he'd... He was looking a bit threatening. I wonder if he'd heard Matt's, <laughs> Matt's big, big prediction from earlier in the podcast. Uh, and yours. I was more vague, though. <laughs> I, reckon I, could, I reckon I could get away with it if... if under scrutiny from Matteo himself. And you said yours a bit quieter. Mm. Matt, Matt, everybody in the whole place heard Matt say it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. There's so many matches that are building up for the third round of the US Open. Any other matches from the day session that really caught your eye? Well, I spent quite a lot of time watching Alex de Menor versus Christian Garin, which was an absolute thriller at Wimbledon, or, or developed into a thriller. De I Menor, ended up on the court, if you remember. Yeah, that's right. We were both there, and de Menor was two sets up, and he ended up losing in five. And it looked for a while like the same thing might be about to happen today. I was certainly having flashbacks. I suspect maybe Alex de Menor was as well. Garin, two sets down, won the third, uh, but then de Menor going to use that word again, reset, and won the fourth uh, very impressively. And that now sets up a match against uh, Pablo Cuenio Busta, which feels like that could go on forever, de Menor versus Cuenio Busta. <laughs> I uh, walked past um, Alexander Bublik on, on, on his way to doubles earlier. Uh, he's, he's playing with Holger Rune, and Bublik lost to Cuenio Busta today, and he was just explaining to Holger Rune what a nightmare Pablo Cuenio Busta is to play against. He said, I was, I was standing inside the baseline, hitting the ball as hard as I possibly could, and this guy just kept getting it back. And I think, you know, you can imagine that Pablo Cuenio Busta would be a very frustrating player for Alexander Bublik to play against. But, yeah, Cuenio Busta de Menor feels like quite a battle in the third round I think that's giving me Karenya Busta Nishikori Australian Open 20 20 2019 vibes which is a match where I was convinced neither of them were actually trying to win points. you hated that match they were just trying to keep the ball in <laughs> and of course it's famous to, to me it's famous for losing the will to live but to the wider tennis watching public it's famous for the Pablo Karenya Busta bag throw which was Incident. one of the all-time mm. moments of out-of-character tantrums. It was brilliant. Um, but anyway, we'll see how that develops. Two other matches just to mention as well. I think Ons Jabeur getting a bit of form maybe now. 7-5-6-2 over Elizabeth Mandlick, who uh, showed a bit of temper, according to Hannah on Twitter. <laughs> Shouted, shit, uh, during that match, which uh, I love the idea of. Um, and, uh, of course, she's the daughter of Hannah Mandlikova. Um, and also the, the defeat of the third seed, Maria Sakari, who was a set-up against uh, Wang Shiyu of China. And um, Wang came back to win that 7-5-7-5, two and three-quarter hours. I mean, that is a, a battle and a half, isn't it? But what a win for her and another disappointment for Sakari. And Matt's prediction for the year for the Greeks is officially over. Would just like to add that the dream actually died on Monday. I was going to say was that myself. That they would both win slams this year. Mm. So you're being generous. Mm. It's been bad, Zachary's slam year. She hasn't, she hasn't got past the fourth round in any of them and um, earlier defeats than that in the last three. She's lost to players outside of the top 50. Yeah, really tough for her. She's still seventh in the race doesn't feel like she's having that kind of year I think her Indian Wells results probably doing a lot of heavy lifting there um, by the way on on Wang Shi Yu I thought she was brilliant she got better as as the match went on lefty she got an incredible forehand down the line which was causing Zachary all sorts of problems and she's won a lot of matches since Wimbledon she's in she's in really good form um, and on on Jabur, 
I saw that seal, which also links in with Alex Dumanor chat because he was an unexpected guest of Alex Dumanor the other day. Seal described Ons Jabeur to her face, I believe, as the sneaky player. He said, you're the sneaky player, which I actually think is a really fun, on-the-nose description of Ons Jabeur. I think Seal should be doing some tennis analysis somewhere. Were you, you present for a conversation between Ons Jabeur and Seal? She shared it in the press conference. Oh. <laughs> How magnificent. Just before we go, what about the order of play for day four, Catherine? Who's up? What are the notables? Uh, well, the world number one seems notable, especially given she's playing former champion, Sloane Stephens. Uh, that's first up on Ash. I wondered if that might be night session on Ash, but you'll find out why it's not night session on Ash in just a moment. That's uh, first up at midday. Then it's Carlos Alcaraz against Federico Correas. That's back-to-back Ash billings for Carlos Alcaraz they're they're going big on him here they're obviously not trying to moderate any of the pressure that the tennis world is heaping on Carlos Alcaraz's shoulders under the lights on Arthur Ashe first up at 7pm midnight in the UK I should stop saying that shouldn't I I'm not on prime video at 7pm Serena and Venus Williams taking on Linda Noskova and Lucy Radechka Love that. Love that. Uh, and then Nadal Fanini is the second night session oh, match. It's yeah. all happening. We all know what happens in Nadal Fanini at the US Open, don't we? Fun things. Uh, Armstrong is Begula Sasnovich, Eubanks Sinner, uh, Muguruza Fruvitova, two Lindas playing tomorrow. Great. Mm. Uh, what else have we got? Danielle Collins, uh, night session on Lewis Armstrong. She's becoming my dark horse for the title I liked what I saw against Naomi Osaka a lot of fangs um, what else we got Jensen Brooksby against Borna Choric tomorrow can I have a yes please yeah, go on then Azarenka Kostyuk Badosa Martic Dimitrov Nakashima Shapovalov playing tomorrow things are happening yeah it's going to be a great day day four our mascot for the fortnight is Phoebe lovely Phoebe hope you're doing all right, Phoebe and uh, our own mascot I've got Darwin Catherine's got Carter Matt's got the dearly departed Gerald we want to say a big thank you to our executive producers Carl Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee and Matt we have shout outs we do yes we have Tiffany Montgomery Horan in Orange County California wow I, I, I used to love that show Orange County the OC Catherine was disgusted but I no, liked no, no, it. no, 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 no. <laughs> I was disgusted that you watched it as an adult for the first time. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know about it I recently it as a kid. actually rewatched a few episodes of The OC. It's I good, don't, isn't it? I don't think that stood the test of time too well. Okay, all right, I'll, um, I'll leave it there. But, but anyway, I liked it. I liked it. I tell you, it made me want to go there. So, yes, scenic know. for sure. Horan, like um, Niall Horan of One Direction fame. There we go. Thanks so much for being a friend and of Tiffany, Tennis like, Podcast. Tiffany's. Yes. In, in New York City. Indeed. See what I've done there. Thank you, Tiffany. We've also got Toshi Winscherman, who is uh, in Frankfurt, Germany. Ooh. Right, Toshi. Toshi is a Japanese name, and Winscherman is, is German. She's half Japanese, half German. Thank you so much, Toshi, for your support of the Tennis Podcast and for being our friend. Thank you, Toshi. And the final shout-out today is Susanna Lolland Erdegaard. Wow. Like Martin Erdegaard. Yes, and in fact, Susanna has written like Martin Erdegaard. Oh, oh very that's... helpful, Susanna. Catherine didn't even need the help, Susanna, but thank um, you so much for it. Arsenal player. Although I'm a bit down on Martin Erdegaard because he's yes. got a def- lucky deflected goal against Fulham at the weekend. You, you've bounced back, though. Yeah, sure have. have. Have bounced, are bouncing. Indeed, Matt's Matt's okay with Fulham references at the moment. He's he's joyous. Uh, anyway, thank you to all of you for supporting the tennis podcast. All of them um, took uh, friend subscriptions at the shout out level, and you can do the same if you'd like to have a shout out. Go to Friends of the Tennis Podcast. The link in our show notes. There's an option for that. There's an option for introducing a show as well if you'd like to, or if you just want to have the subscription so that you can get access to the bonus content, the extra podcasts we produce, like Tennis Relived, like Q and As, like our post US Open show where we'll have voice notes from various people that we come across and work with over the course of the fortnight. And of course, you can enter our AO Travel extraordinary 
summary competition if you're a friend of the tennis podcast get yourself to australia if you win with uh, two flights for you and a guest and accommodation and tickets and a premium experience it's amazing become a friend of the tennis podcast that's it for day three we'll see you tomorrow 